Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of When in Romance is brought to you by A Story Most Queer by Mischief Media. Once upon a time, we know how that goes. What if we had some different stories? Maybe some queer stories? From Mischief Media, we have pocket-sized queer stories for everyone, specifically a story most queer. These are original stories from any genre by queer authors presented in pocket-sized form for your listening pleasure. The first episode of the podcast is a teenage lesbian Romeo and Juliet story. All of the writers whose stories are selected for Mischief Media and specifically for A Story Most Queer are paid for their work. So you can go to a storymostqueer.mischiefmedia.com. That's a storymostqueer.mischiefmedia.com for more details. You can also follow them on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for episode announcements and more at A Story Most Queer. So feel free to check the link in the show notes or go to Mischief Media, a story most queer for more details. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Thanks again to a story most queer from Mischief Media for sponsoring the show. Welcome back to When in Romance, everybody's favorite place to hang out and talk about romance novels, stuff happening in romance, and all that good jazz. This is episode 46, right? It is indeed. It is episode 46. <laughs> I didn't write it down because I'm terrible. I put it, it's in our show notes. I made us the new show notes. And I forgot to click over to them already. <laughs> this is this is going to be a great, great episode, you guys. Um, we are recording on Friday, November 1st. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And I think it is going to be a great... This might Is this the first time we've recorded on a Friday? It's quite possible. Yeah, it may well be. Um, I told Jess before we started that she is my uh, super hot Friday night date. I'm really excited about it. I think her feelings are more mixed. My hair is flipping. Oh, well, in that case, I'll take it. Um, I was just going to assume it had nothing to do with me. Uh, but yeah, we were going to record last night and then we realized that what with it being Halloween, maybe our lovely sound editor wouldn't be thrilled with all of the doorbell ringing and whatnot. Yeah. She would have to edit out. Did you get trick-or-treaters, Jess? Uh, I don't know. I, I left for a couple hours just to make sure that I really wasn't in the house. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, so you didn't have to, I, so I am in an Airbnb and I'm in the first like actual house that I've been in. So I thought I might get trick or treaters. So I bought candy. Mm-hmm. Funny story. I got zero. Oh, like I don't even. So now I just have two bags of candy to eat. I mean, that's, that's just terrible. Absolutely I awful. I know. Feel free to send me your sympathies, everyone, over whatever means you feel is appropriate. <laughs> But anyway, so it, as it turned out, now we are recording for the first time on a Friday. We think it's going to go great. Oh, yeah. Perfectly. 
and we do have, um, we've gotten, we got, we got a lot of email this last, uh, week or two weeks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it, uh, is stuff that, um, I think we, I think we responded to everything. Some of it we are tabling the specific questions for our recommendations show, which is our next show. We're really excited about it. Um, and as a reminder, if you send us your requests, we're getting some really great ones, uh, by Monday, November 11th. So by the time this is going up, you'll still have a week. Um, we will have book recs for you on our show that drops on Monday, November 18th. So. You still have a week to get those in, send those our way, um, and we will have them ready, whether they're recommendations for you or for someone that you are gift giving to, um, or just for the greater romance good, I guess, mm-hmm. whoever you think might want them. Um, we actually had someone send us some recommendations this week, which was fun. We, I, we had not had that before, so that was cool. That was really great. Yeah, it was kind of random and super cool. So, um, so thank you, uh, for that as well. Um, and one other piece of, uh, quick follow-up that we wanted to do was a huge shout out to Melody from the Heaving Bosoms podcast for sending a note to us to let us know about, uh, apparently there is a Goodreads book club for romances. One of their listeners, the Heaving Bosoms podcast is great. It's kind of a more book club style podcast. So, um, they will read a book and then she and Aaron is her usual co-host. Um, occasionally they'll sub somebody else in, but um, they'll read a book and discuss it on their show. Um, definitely check it out if you haven't listened to it already. But one of their listeners has put together a Goodreads book club for romances with social justice components. It's called HEAs All Day. And um, Maria de Blase is the host and I will link to it in the show notes. So if you are interested, you can join there. So again, um, shout out to Melody and to Aaron and to the Heaving Bosoms podcast and also to Maria who is uh, hosting the HEAs All Day podcast. So um, related to our last episode. So thanks to them for letting us know that that's happening. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to lurking on that Goodreads group because, as we know, I am not very good at being in book clubs unless I am leading them. Speaking of leading them, hey, guys, (gasps) guess what? We got some feedback and we, Trisha and I, talked it out. And we are going to continue the Win in Romance book club. And we are really excited to continue it. We're going to give you some time to find the book. Um, We have the feeling that you will devour it in a couple days once you get it. But we're still going to hold off on our book discussion until January. So you have about eight weeks to find, devour, write down questions, send us questions, share on Twitter, all of that good stuff. Drum roll. <gasps> oh, look at that. She even made one. Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. We're so excited to read this book. This is Talia's first traditionally published book. Um, it's being published by uh, Avon and William Morrow. And uh, we are really excited to read it with all of you and talk about it in January. Um, once again, Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. It's white cover, adorable, adorable uh, illustration on the cover. Yes, it's another illustrated cover. We're excited about it. Um, <laughs> Indeed we are. I'm about halfway through it right now, and I'm um, really, really enjoying it. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear what all of you are thinking. So, yeah, get on your library hold lists now, because I think by the time this podcast comes out, it's coming out in like a day or two. So if, um, I mean, definitely buy it or ask for it for some sort of holiday gift if you would like, but um, you can also get on a hold list so that you're ready to go. And I I hear if you're a book of the month member, you can also select that as an option. Oh, yeah. 
So yeah, so there are many avenues in, but we want to make sure to give you enough time. So be ready. And actually, Talia is lovely. Um, I bet if you had questions about the book as you're reading it for her, we might be able to check in with her. She may be willing and happy to answer them. She's been really responsive and great um, in the past. So something to think about. Awesome. I think those are our updates, Jess. I think that's all of them. All right. Shall we uh, move into an ad spot? We shall. We shall. And uh, this podcast is actually sponsored by Book Riot and uh, their Read This Book giveaway. We are sponsored by our own giveaway of a $50 gift card to the indie bookstore of your choice. To enter, all you have to do is go to bookriot.com slash indie gift card and sign up for Read This Book, which is our upcoming newsletter, where we'll send you one single book recommendation once a week. One book, one recommendation every week. Uh, so check that out. That's a $50 gift card to the indie bookstore of your choice at bookriot.com slash indie gift card. And that'll also be in the show notes to enter to win that $50 gift card to your favorite independent bookstore. I also, I don't want to bias anyone, uh, but in my ongoing saga of visiting independent bookstores, I have to tell you, I was at the Haunted Bookshop in Mobile, Alabama today, and they have, not only do they have an incredible romance section, they have maybe the best genre fiction section that I have ever seen in an independent bookstore. The entire, it's um, a two-floor uh, bookstore, and the entire top half of the bookstore is dedicated to genre fiction. So if you live anywhere near Mobile, Alabama, and wanted to have that be where, because I'm just assuming that someone who's listening to this show is going to win. <laughs> I mean, seems like just the the normal assumption. Uh, so feel free to uh, go, you know, just use that gift uh, certificate at the Haunted Bookshop here in Mobile. Seems like the right choice. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good choice for you. Um, cause that sounds amazing. I wish I had any other reason to go to Mobile besides, you know, going to that bookstore, because by the time I planned a trip, you would not be there anymore. So, well, that's probably true, but <laughs> I'll tell you what, I will make a list while I'm here of other reasons you can come visit. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. All right. So one of the first things that we wanted to talk about today was something that we've been talking about talking about. You and I have been talking about talking about for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and we have now finally found the opportunity, which is uh, that there are a handful of romance writers, well, probably more than a handful, but a handful that we know of who are successful in writing in multiple subgenres. So for example, they write in both contemporary and sci-fi or historical and contemporary and erotica or, you know, et cetera. There are a variety of combinations. Uh, and there are uh, like I said, a bunch of them that do it, I started to think as I was thinking about these authors and their books about what makes them successful at it. Mm -hmm. So the first one that popped to my mind, it will not surprise you, Jess, or any of our listeners, uh, <laughs> was Alyssa Cole, mm -hmm. who we've talked about her historical books, we've talked about her contemporary books, we've talked less about her science fiction series um, that starts with Radio Silence. And I was when I was trying to think about what it is that makes her successful, at least at being able to kind of cross between subgenres. And, you know, I was making this theory up earlier today. So you'll have to <laughs> let me know what you think. One of the things I was thinking about is that there is a very day to day, non extreme feel to her books that makes them really 
relatable, no matter how extreme the circumstances are or how extraordinary the characters are, because many of her characters really are fantastic and extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And it kind of creates an immersive experience, right? So her historicals are relatable and don't have that glass case sort of separation that like museum feel that you sometimes get in historical fiction or mm-hmm. her science fiction series doesn't have that otherworldly like you're watching it from afar series you know kind of feel that a lot of sci-fi at least for me has or her reluctant royals series doesn't have that um kind of like people magazine do people is people magazine still a thing (laughs) whatever the 2019 equivalent of people magazine is like there's not that kind of degree of separation it feels even though a lot of times her books and the circumstances of what's going on in her books can feel very different from what i as a uh you know, person and specifically maybe a white woman living in 2019 or 20, whatever I was reading the book in mm-hmm. might be dealing with, it still feels very real. And like I said before, very immersive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely one of one of those cases where it's just like, everything just works no matter what she's doing. And actually, a friend of mine asked me a couple of days ago, like, what makes a good romance novel to me? And she kind of put me on the spot and I was like, I don't know, books. Um, but the answer that I finally gave her was character and dialogue. Like, I love plot. I am a very plot driven person, but the story could be people sitting around waiting to hear what happened with the end of the world and not doing a whole lot else as long as the characters are incredibly well written and they have really interesting conversations <laughs> and mm-hmm. and you know they're like real kind of conversations so, like you said like the historicals they're not kind of like museum box stilted kind of conversations they're they're things that you really have a feel for you feel like you're a part of the story you feel like these are your friends and you're trying to ensure that they get to the end end point that they deserve yeah and yeah her books are definitely like that and um someone who also really does that for me who writes in uh two of the same categories um historical and contemporary is courtney milan like i read i actually read her contemporaries first which is Oh, interesting. <laughs> I like my introduction to Courtney Milan was Trade Me. And then I picked up uh, The Duchess War because mm-hmm. it was like, wow, she she writes amazing people. I want to know what her historicals are like. And it was mm-hmm. the same. So it was like, well, I guess I'm just going to devour everything that she's written. I still haven't made it through yet. But I mean, because I'm sort of holding on to a few to make sure I have some left when I need them. Appropriate choice. Actually, the same goes for Alyssa. I haven't actually finished that sci-fi series because I'm slowly, like, I'm giving myself, like, one a year. So I read one this year, and I'll read one next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, it's – I'm not really a big sci-fi person. That, and it's almost like the thing that makes the that series – so the series starts with Radio Silence, the off-the-grid series. Um, Not to pull away from Courtney Malone because I definitely want to get back to her. But totally. The thing I always tell people about that series is that the fact that – there's nothing terribly extreme that happens in those books. The power grid just goes out and there's no zombies and there's no like 
paranormal activity. There's no, it's just sort of, this is what happens to mankind. It's kind of almost like a horror book in a way in that this is how humanity kind of devolves when this one thing that actually feels, unfortunately, weirdly realistic happens. Um, and it's, I think that's part of what stuck with me about the series. So anyway, if you want to feel super creeped out, read Radio Silence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, that one also, like, stands out in that the people in the story aren't going to people who save the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. They are, they are just, they're there. They're, they're us. Yep. They're just in a cabin trying yeah. to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, spoiler alert, as the series continues, the people increasingly are a little bit more the people who save the world. Yeah. So, so you get that aspect too. So just read it. It's great. Um, but anyway, sorry, by going back to, uh, Courtney Milan, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. It's a, it's also her characters are also just people that you want to read and know more about kind of. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a, a, a colleague who has been reading historical romance since before I was born. And I asked her if she had picked up Courtney Milan's historicals. And she said, you know, it's, it's just too modern. The men aren't alpha enough for me. And I was just like, but that's the mm. best part. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. <laughs> wow. Um, so I just like, I think of, I think of that conversation almost every time I look at a Courtney Milan book because I think, these are the kind of historical romance characters that I want to experience. And I know that it's a generational thing, um, but it isn't completely. And I like that she can take the same elements that she applies in her contemporaries and still have a pretty historically appealing and let's call it historically accurate because it's still historically accurate. And yeah, that's a yeah. subtweet. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Romance Twitter has been a, a light this, this last week. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's still, it's still history that existed. I'm, I'm going to mm -hmm. end there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And her, so I mentioned to Jess, I, I don't know. I wonder if it's partly the keeping something on the side and for when you need it thing. I still have not read her contemporaries. Um, and I do, I, I've heard great things and I love Courtney Milan. So I, I do think it's maybe like a, I know the day will come when I need trade me and hold me and, you know, her, her work that she's done on that. So I think I'm just kind of holding it aside, but yeah, she just has that kind of skill and she is just so, thoughtful and care careful with her characters, which is a thing that is really important to me. And another author who does that, who we've talked to and actually talked with is Rebecca Weatherspoon, um, who just pays so much attention to her characters and is so cognizant, whether she's writing about vampires or about hotmail nannies or personal trainers or whatever, you know, strippers, whatever she's doing. Um, she is just so cognizant of the burden that she is or isn't willing to put on her characters and particularly her women of color and her black women in particular. And if she will, you know, put them in a situation of danger or burden in any kind, she's very conscious of how she is kind of alleviating that. And she talked a little bit about that on when she was um, on our show 
Mm-hmm. It was, I think, a really great conversation. But she just, I think the consistency in her books, again, no matter what she's writing, whether she's writing a kind of romantic, erotic suspense book or um, a sort of more supernatural book or just a very gentle, uh, like her So Sweet series, you know, like whatever she's doing, she's just, it's it's almost kind of a safe space mm-hmm. for her characters, which I think also kind of creates a safe space for readers. Mm-hmm. So there's a consistency in that, that I think for me as a reader, I really appreciate that. I know that I can kind of explore a different avenue of story, but still count on the fact that there is that almost kind of like guardrail a little bit, which mm-hmm. sometimes is what I'm looking for in a book. Because she's a great writer and her characters are always interesting and engaging. It's just sometimes kind of a relief to know what you are and are not going to have to deal with in any particular book. That is... Totally, totally um, something that I see when I pick up Rebecca Weatherspoon's books, because I've I've dabbled in the various versions of herself that she gives to us. And while I haven't read as many of her vampire books as I have her more uh, cozy contemporaries, they're not actually cozy. They're 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 pretty hot, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> hey, more than one thing can be true. <laughs> that's, that's true. They're like I think when I read Rafe and was like I wrote about it for the library I work at or something. I refer to it as like a warm cup of tea, like mm, and yeah. a hug, <laughs> all in one. Yeah, it's like a warm cup of tea with like a shot of whiskey in it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Totally. But the same thing does come across whether she's writing about people who are hiding from someone who wants to murder them, or joining a sorority of vampires. Like, they... <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, you, you can be, you can be safe, but you can also be kind of on edge, but you know she's going to treat you well. I mean, that's, that's romance novel in general, but specifically with these. And... Uh, like that that happens in a lot of situations whether it's someone who writes sort of across the board or has developed sort of their niche and is sort of dabbling in other things um Tiffany Rice comes to mind I I have I actually haven't read a lot of her sort of erotic contemporary stuff that most people know her for um I've read her mainstream historical novel, which is still a romance, like it's so romantic and lovely, and her sort of erotic fantasy that she's been publishing recently, uh, the Red and the Rose. Oh right. Mm-hmm. But you know, like you're gonna you're gonna hold on and you're going to go for a ride and you're going to enjoy it. But once you get off, your hair is going to be everywhere, like you. <laughs> You're safely you're safely tucked in, but you are going to have a serious ride. And I love that about the stuff that I have read of hers because it can be like you don't know where it's going, but you're happy that you went through the journey once you're at the end. And I have the feeling her erotic contemporary is very similar because I have heard and read some things. Um there was a really great book riot article about one of her series. 
Um, and it's just like, I am so looking forward to continuing my journey with Tiffany Rice because, whew, it doesn't matter if, if you're going off into the woods to search for a fantasy land while you're also involved in like sex hypnosis. <laughs> sure. If you haven't read The Rose, you, you have to read The Rose. It is the most wild thing I have ever picked up, and I loved every minute of it. Um, let's just say the uh, male protagonist is uh, a god, pretty sure. Or maybe maybe he's a demigod or like a servant of the gods. I, it's been a few months, I can't remember, but there, there are gods at play. But also like stories and fantasy lands and sex cups. Like there's so much happening and it's so great. But you get the same kind of bonkersness that you get in the stories that she writes that are completely set in a contemporary fantasy-less universe. Um, or something that kind of has some fantasy in it, but is mostly set in the past with a historical bent. So. Um, yeah, Tiffany Rice, y'all. <laughs> I have to tell you, I think you had like five different potential show titles in like the last two minutes, but I don't <laughs> know if I can use any of them without having to mark the episode as explicit. What? So... You mean sex cups won't work? <laughs> <laughs> well, sex cups or sex hypnosis <laughs> might, we might get a flag from the good people at the uh, Apple podcasts or whatever it's called now. I don't That's know. That's fair. We'll see. That's fair. We'll see. Um, I'll I'll listen back and see what I can make work. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, and I yeah those. I mean, there are some other folks. I know Alexis Hall has written um, both romance and is is also a very accomplished fantasy writer. Just had a book actually come out with, from Tor, but since I haven't read any of his fantasy stuff, I can't speak to it. Um, there, I'm sure that there are other folks. Is there anybody else that you wanted to mention? Well, like one thing that uh, we didn't talk about is authors who write in multiple subgenres but don't use the same name. Oh, good point. Like I remember, I was reading a Jessica Clare book and read the, her about the author and was like, "Oh, she's also this other person whose book I just read and really enjoyed." So obviously, I like them. But this is her supernatural name, and that was her modern contemporary name. Um, and another person who is really great at that, who I have been devouring since I discovered her pretty late in her game, so I have a lot of backlog to get through, is Holly Trent, who also writes as H.E. Trent. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty close. You can always, you kind of know that they're the same people. Um, but her H.E. Trent stuff is usually like science fiction. Um, she writes a lot about like aliens and other planet people. And, um, she kind of crosses over between Holly and H.E. for her more like earthbound paranormal fantasy land world of fae kind of books. Um, they're all like, they're great and a little bonkers, but I love them. And she also writes like modern contemporaries. Like if you haven't read her um, polyamorous romances that she has published with Karina, those are just as bonkers as far as how the people act. <laughs> but you know, they, they're more viable universes, because they're, you know, people not fae or modern vikings or witches or 
aliens or anything like that. Well, sure. <laughs> uh, and actually, another person who does that, that I honestly have not read much of, so I can't really speak to particularly well, but interestingly, writes romantic suspense, but in three different kind of timelines almost, is mm-hmm. Jane Ann Krentz. Oh, yeah. Who does it. She writes romantic suspense contemporarily as Jane Ann Krantz, historically as Amanda Quick, and futuristically as Jane Castle. So, I mean, good for her. Like, yeah. That's a, uh, the, but this, I haven't read much by her, but what I have read by her, I've enjoyed. So a shout out to her as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I actually, I own a few of her, um, of her books that are from various versions of herself. I actually discovered her as a Regency slash Victorian, uh, just historical romance author as Amanda Quick. She wrote a bunch of books with our names, like Ravished and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And that's how I discovered her. And then her, um, her modern, more modern, uh, Agatha Christie style romantic suspense slash mystery start came out and I was like, Oh, that's the same author. I should check it out. But I never actually read it. Um, mm-hmm. and then I discovered that they were the same person. Uh, so then it was like, what, what, what do I do? There's so many. I can't, I just can't. Yeah. It's that's it. Yeah. That can be, yeah. It can be hard to know where to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like I said, since I haven't read a ton of Jane and Kranz, I, I don't know that I am qualified um, to tell you where to start with some of her stuff. But for the other folks that we talked about, uh, we will make sure, even if we didn't name specific titles uh, in this conversation, um, Jess and I will check in and make sure that we've got a couple of places where you could start uh, in, you know, different subgenres with those authors. Uh, and those will be in the show notes. So um if that is helpful to you at all and you are intrigued by whatever you heard, um, you know, sex cups or otherwise, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get you taken care of. So, um, I'll get you taken care of. Boy, we are really <laughs> dancing on that line of explicit content. I mean, it is oh, a romance podcast. It is. And it's a Friday night. So <laughs> I feel like, I feel like given those two factors, we are doing great. Great. So. Um, and, uh, we will take a minute now and do another, um, sponsor post, which is actually also, um, another actually Book Riot ad spot. So thanks to Book Riot, um, and TBR in particular for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Signing up for TBR actually only takes a few minutes. You just answer a few questions about what you like to read, what you're looking for. You can link to your Goodreads profile if you have one, and then you're done. TBR subscribers are matched to bibliologists based on their requests. If you love thrillers and want to read romance, or if you love poetry by writers of color, and maybe also want to read some space opera, we've got someone who knows just what to choose for you. Each TBR delivery contains three titles in the recommendations only level or three new hardcovers, and you'll receive a new shipment every three months. So you can either get the three recommendations or the three actual hardcover books. You can give your bibliologist feedback, update your requests to stay in line with your reading goals and expanding horizons, and basically have your own personal book concierge. Recommendations only, so those are the three titles that you would get, are $15 a quarter or $49 a year. If you're part of the hardcover plan, that is $75 a quarter, plus $4.79 in shipping. 
Annual subscribers receive free shipping. Recommendations only is available worldwide. Hardcovers are available in the U.S. Signing up only takes a few minutes, as we mentioned, and you can find the link in the show notes to figure out how to sign up for TBR from Book Riot. So thanks again to Book Riot for sponsoring this episode of When in Romance. Yeah, TBR is great. I will admit that I was momentarily one of the bibliologists until I realized that I needed sleep and had to cut something out of my life. Um, But one thing that Trisha didn't mention was that even if you are titles only, you get this really great, either it's an email or a printout of uh, the recommendations with really great reasons why from your bibliologists and it's pretty and you can keep them if you really want to if you happen to like paper or keeping them in in your phone and looking at them when you want to because they're pretty um so i will just throw that out there because i know some people really like that kind of thing and if that's an added bonus go for it that sounds delightful (laughs) thank you for adding a little bit of uh extra insight into why TBR is a great option. And speaking of your many insights, Jess, <laughs> why is it that some authors leave romance writing? Uh, I, that's kind of a loaded question. Let me, <laughs> let me give you a little, let me give you a little bit of backup. Um, we got a, an email this week from someone who's a listener, uh, and sent Jess a note asking about some authors who, um, are, have been or had been fairly high profile and in some cases quite high profile best selling authors who, suddenly either it seems are not publishing romance anymore uh, or else haven't for a couple of years or maybe have switched into other genres. Mm -hmm. And it sort of seems like, I think you and I have both um, seen some authors move into other genres, whether they're contemporary fiction genres um, or something different. I think we've also seen whether it's um, an author who previously was publishing, you know, three, four, five, six books a year, move into a more annual publishing schedule. Um, Authors, I guess, sometimes kind of tend to change their habits. Do you have a sense for why that maybe happens? I mean, sometimes it's just economics, right? I mean, there are authors who can publish one book a year and can spend the rest of the time working on their next book with as much... Uh, attention to detail as they want. They can go on trips to the places where the books take place and do months worth of research and write that book and rewrite it and rewrite it and then just wait for it to come out sometimes. I mean, this has been a, like a rough few years for a lot of people just mentally. And uh, one thing to harken back to our previous conversation, like Courtney Milan, uh, self-publishes all of her books and uh, she set her schedule and if she's decided to give herself some more mental health time before she finishes and releases a new book she can so i mean i know that those are reasons why people take a little longer between their books um but i haven't really figured out besides i have so many ideas in this other thing or i have this one amazing idea in this in this other genre or in ya or um i want to i want to do something different or i'm just burnt out 
Like mm-hmm. any any of those things could happen with an author, and it's hard to know unless they are very publicly saying such this saying something about it, either on Twitter or in their newsletter or on their website or wherever people go to find them. Some some of them just sort of fizzle out, and we don't hear anything from them. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think it is absolutely true that sometimes folks either need or want more time or there are family circumstances that uh, come in with like with any job. I think like any of us, sometimes people do need to change, you know, um, our generation, you know, I'm talking about you and I or folks kind of who are, you know, 10 years above or below. I, I, I don't know, my parents generally stayed in the same jobs for their entire careers. And that is not exactly the way that a lot of folks that um, are in our generation do things. And so mm-hmm. it's not terribly surprising that folks might move into uh, a different genre or subgenre or whatever. I also think, and, you know, to be very frank about it, if someone either feels like their ideas are more suited toward contemporary fiction or domestic fiction or whatever you want to call it, or that they can make more money there. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they can. <laughs> like, like if you look at a, a book, um, we've talked a little bit about this, right? A book like um, Evie Drake Starts Over was hugely marketed. It came out in hardcover uh, from a debut author, Linda Holmes, who is well-established. I, mean, I don't mean to – this is in no way a dig on Linda Holmes. Um, it's a great book. But at the end of the day, slight spoiler alert <laughs> – that book is a romance, you know, at the, it follows the patterns, it fits into the genre. It was not marketed as a romance in any way, shape or form. And my guess is that if it had been, it would not have been a, I think it was a today book show or today show book club pick or, (laughs) you know, like, you know, like it's, it would probably, some of that stuff doesn't happen when um, folks are in the romance genre or if, um, uh, Tiff Marcello's book, um, The Key to Happily Ever After, another great book that I loved that actually doesn't even quite fit in the genre as well uh, as the Every Drake Starts Over, um, but probably was marketed in a different way and maybe with a little bit more money behind it than her books that were in the romance genre. Um, and again, good for them, right? Yeah. Like, do what makes sense for you, both in terms of creative and also financial sense as an author. But, um, you know, it can be, I think, a little bit of a disappointment to more than one thing can be true. Authors can be in a situation where they don't owe readers anything and should do the thing that is best for them. And also, it can be a little bit disappointing for readers if authors kind of take a different track or even if they, just like you were talking about earlier, can't or don't want to uh, publish as frequently as we wish they would. (laughs) You know, like that's just kind of the reality of the situation. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned those two authors in tandem, because uh, ironically enough, there was absolutely one, one single panel about romance at the American Library Association uh, annual conference in, uh, where was it? Washington, D.C. this past year. And Linda Holmes and Tiff Marcello were both on it. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. Even though their books are not at least marketed 
as romances. Um, and Tiff's, like you mentioned, it doesn't really completely fall under uh, the romance genre, although she's written rom- romance in the past. Right, yeah. So it was just interesting to think about those two and how romance is marketed to libraries and librarians mm-hmm. um, yeah. who do a lot of readers' advisory and outreach to their readers, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just an interesting thing to think about and a complete aside. Um, but yeah, I, I actually, going back to what you were talking about before, I actually talked to someone recently who um, writes for a relatively uh, small publisher, um, an independent publisher. And uh, she actually said at one point, you know, I I really want to write women's fiction, but my editor said that romance sells more, so I should write that. And <laughs> it was just one of those moments of how many other people have have this have this like I'd rather be writing something else, but this is what makes me money. Um mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully it's not a a huge population because, you know, we hope that the people who are writing the books that we're enjoying are enjoying writing them, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, everybody reaches some level of, I want to do something else. I, I'm i not enjoying this anymore kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's what leads to two years of silence. Yeah. Or to switching genres or, you know, to a, a variety of, of other things. And it was um, the email that uh, that you got that you, you copied me on your reply to uh, totally hit home with me because the authors that this person mentioned were all people are all people that I'm very big fans of. Um, and one of the first ones that um, the writer mentioned was Victor- Victoria Dahl, who uh, is someone that I've been a, a very big fan of since basically since I've been reading romance, who has essentially shifted over into kind of the more thriller suspense genre. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, we were talking a little bit about how do you find read-alikes and, um, you know, just in terms of, of recommendations for Victoria Dahl, one of the recommendations that I actually have for Victoria Dahl is to read uh, her other books like her, <laughs> um uh i think it's victoria helen stone i think is the name that she wrote jane doe under um and that's the only one of her suspense books that i've read and i read it just within the last couple of months it had been sitting on my kindle for ages and i can't remember what it was that made me finally go into it but i read it in if not in one sitting then certainly in one half day um and it is very much a suspense book it's not a romance it's a it's a suspense. It's a. It's sort of a revenge um, thriller kind of a book, but it was. I really liked it a lot. I'm excited. the The, the next book in the series is coming out. It's about a woman who, um, essentially, she self identifies as a sociopath, uh, and is very clear, at least in her own mind, about what that entails. Uh, and her um, best friend has been victimized in a particular way. I won't say more than that. But, you know, at the risk of giving something away and. She has decided that she's going to take some time off of her job and seek vengeance. And that is what the book is about. And it is, uh, I found it very satisfying. Uh, maybe it, I will say it is violent. Uh, and there is vengeance to be, <laughs> you know, sought. So, <laughs> so, you know, take that for what it is. Um, it may not be for everyone, but I, I did like that, uh, book a lot. And, 
I will say, though, you know, if, if you were looking for a more romance oriented path, um, <laughs> I I think of Victoria Dahl's um, books as sort of being characterized by women in particular who are very kind of complicated and interesting and not always really likable, which it almost this is going to sound ridiculous, but which nowadays <laughs> seems fine. But back, you know, four <laughs> or five years ago, was not always a thing that you know, kind of a subversive heroine in romance is something that I I feel like and, and certainly correct me if you feel like I'm wrong about this. I feel like it's a thing that the genre has only started to come into within the last couple of years. So I kind of feel like Victoria Dahl was sort of doing it like before it was cool. You can't see my air <laughs> quotes, but I'm doing air quotes. Um, and so there are a couple of authors that I think if you have read the entire Victoria Dahl catalog and if you're looking for someone else, um, Molly O'Keefe is someone, sometimes she writes under the, the pseudonym M. O'Keefe. Um, she has done a great job, I think, of, of writing some really interesting characters who are in a similar kind of way who are complicated and a little bit messy um between the sheets is a book of hers that i particularly remember um the heroine of that book is just kind of struggling and trying to figure out how to balance family obligations and she's teaching and isn't always really happy in that job but she kind of feels like she has to do what she has to do and she's great another um author who we've talked about before and a, a series that we've talked about is um the alicia rye series that starts with uh oh gosh hate to want you is that the first in the forbidden heart series yes yes it is, it is. Oh, yeah okay <laughs> um and she also actually i think my introduction to both well my introduction to alicia rye might nah i don't know if that's true i was gonna say i i saw her and victoria doll on the same panel about subversive heroines at some point which might be part of why the two of them are tied together in my head but that's she's another author in that series in particular of like sort of strong complicated but very realistic and relatable uh heroines and characters um is another person and, and specifically that forbidden heart series where there's just also some sort of complicated family and relationship stuff and you know um the relationships are not always very straightforward and they can be a little bit messy but um it all kind of comes together in, in a satisfying way in the end that's another person that if you are trying to fill the victoria doll romance sized hole in your heart <laughs> uh those are two authors that you you might at least want to give those give them a try see how it goes <laughs> and you know like you talking about Victoria Dahl slash Helen Stone made me think about um how many romance authors are going to start wandering into the revenge thriller category. Um because mm -hmm. I know I remember seeing an announcement recently of um an author that I enjoy, and I can't remember who it was, who is publishing uh something in the suspense mystery category next year, but also this year, Anna Geary had the third Mrs. Durst, which made me, I read that oh, and, yeah. and I was like, you know, I think I need to read that Victoria Helen Stone book now because Anna Geary, we sh like, she also writes in every category. I was introduced to her with like a dystopian YA novel and then she writes like urban fantasy and, um, I really loved what I call her Backstreet Boys books. Um, I don't actually know what the series is called, but the first one is like 
Oh gosh, I don't remember what the first one's called, but one of them's As Long As You Love Me, and one of them is uh, uh, Shape of My Heart, or <laughs> one sure. of those. I can't remember. Um, and then she... I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I told you, Backstreet Boys. And I didn't pick anything else of hers up until uh, she was like, on Twitter one day, she was like, so I suppose I should be marketing my uh, suspense thriller book as... Uh, bisexual murder trio and i was like oh sorry what so (laughs) you still have to like throw in that uh that thing that will draw me to to want to get invested in your characters um so there's still an element of romantic behavior although it like um jane doe is nowhere near a romance so don't pick that up if you want like a a romance novel just just don't um but um i would throw her in as another um real like for victoria doll specifically the backstreet boys books because they do have that same kind of heroine um who is maybe somebody that you weren't quite sure about when they came out, but now would be like kind of the norm. So I just wanted to throw that in there because you were talking about Jane Doe and I was like, wait, no, I've read one yeah. of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I will link to all of those in the, well, I will link to the series in the show notes along with the third Mrs. Durst. Great. Um, You know, we were talking about the, the authors that can write one book a year and well, I'm sure she doesn't just write one book a year, but she publishes one book a year. Um, and then it talks about going to London and wandering around in awesome places and all of that. The first, the obviously, well, not obviously, but the person who I had in mind when I was talking about that was Sarah McLean, who, um, since I discovered a little late, I was able to read, well, listen to four of her books in a week. And then suddenly, I had to wait every year for a new <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, suddenly run out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, this is not Harry Potter. This is not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I love her books. And I can see all of the detail that she can put into them. And the the love that she can give them because... Avon gives her so much time to put them out and to promote them leading up to them. And, uh, you know, we've seen the cover of the next book, even though it doesn't come out till probably May or June. Um, so, you know, it's gonna be a while. And I was trying to think about what a, what, what the Rita likes really look like for Sarah McLean, because to an outsider or somebody who has read maybe one or two Sarah McLeans, maybe her old ones, like the Nine Rules series or something, they seem a lot like a lot of other Regency romances. So who writes books like hers? And the first person that came to mind was Liana De La Rosa, um, who I've actually only read one of her, her three books, um, but they're all out. So, hey, just spread them out while you're waiting. Um, <laughs> and uh, she has that kind of like hint of intrigue with, uh, I hate this word, but it's really true about the first book in her trilogy, really spunky heroine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, like that need to like find answers, but have secrets and all of all of the things that sort of fall 
into kind of what makes the foundation of a Sarah McLean book, whether it's about gaming hells or underworlds or, <laughs> or just, you know, lists. So <laughs> that was my first thought. And, you know, you know, I'm always going to say, if you're waiting for Sarah McLean, read Tessa Dare, because even though their, their books are riotously different as far as content. They both have this element of seriousness and fun um, that really like keeps you turning the pages and really wanting to know how this is all going to work itself out. And like I said, Sarah McLean writes Regency romance, so it's really hard to say what pieces of her Regency romance are similar to other Regency romance authors, or maybe people who write Victorian, um, or 20th century or contemporary. Like, what are, what are those feelings? I'm not completely certain I could list like 85 people that I think of when I think align with Sarah McLean, but do they really? Or do they just make me feel the same feels? I don't know. Yeah. And I think I'm with you in that I, despite the fact that Tessa Dare and Sarah McLean do write very Differently, I think Tessa Dare's books tend to be more comedic and maybe a little bit less um, focused on, I hate saying this, less focused on historical accuracy <laughs> because I know that she does her research also, maybe mm-hmm. not like quite in the same way. But they also, one of the things that really appeals to me about both is that they tend to feature really strong independent, independent heroines who are not going to put up with anything. Um and my thought is that uh, uh, Viana de la Rosa is the same. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, that makes that's a, a comparison that makes a lot of sense to me as well. I like it. Yay. Speaking of comparisons that are a little hard to make, uh, another author that um, the email that we got mentioned was Ruthie Knox, who is someone that I've talked about on the show a little bit. She's a little bit more under the radar, but because she's one of the first romance authors that I – I ever read. Um, she was bigger, I think, maybe in like kind of 2012, 2013, uh, and has written under a different pen name um, that I, I can't think of at the moment. I think maybe was writing YA or new adult kind of stuff um, and hasn't written anything new for a few years, had some family stuff going on and actually opened up a um, publishing house with her wife. And so she has kind of had some stuff going on, but she writes some really kind of complicated, she kind of writes contemporary dramatic romance um, that's got some sort of complicated, usually like some family themes and almost, there's almost kind of a little soapy element usually that is going on there. Uh, so one of, so I actually thought of Alicia Rye related to Ruthie Knox's stuff too, but um, another author I thought of is Sonali Dev. She writes a lot of that kind of, kind of character driven contemporary, um, like drama. And I, I always say this when I talk about Sonali Dev that when I say soapy, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean mm-hmm. it in a good way that it's kind of in the way that you're almost invested in multiple characters beyond just the couple. Um, so that's a, a really kind of fun thing. And it, it is dramatic in that kind of, the stakes feel very high, um, but the books end up being really satisfying. And another author, um, so anyway, if you haven't read Sonali's, uh, Sonali Dev's uh, series that ends with, or starts rather with A Bollywood Affair, um, and you can read any of those books independently or Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors is another great book. Mm-hmm. Um, read any of her stuff. 
I also thought of Roan Parish, and I think you've read a lot of Roan Parish that I haven't, Jess. So mm-hmm. um, I really like In the Middle of Somewhere. Um, it has kind of that same contemporary drama feeling to me. Um, but I know that you really liked Rend and uh, Riven and some of the other stuff that Roan Parish has done. So I don't know if you feel like it quite fits the same mold. Um, but that was another author that kind of came to my mind. Yeah, I mean, I like if there is anything that the Riven trilogy is, is dramatic. And I'm saying that with the most love because I had so many feels reading that. And I haven't read a lot of Ruthie Knox, actually. But like, I remember the one book that I've read of hers, that was pretty feelsy and mm-hmm. and feelsy you know, is a great term for it. I love feel we're going to feel feelsy is a great term. There you go. Um and uh the you know the family relationships and the interpersonal relationships are are definitely very similarly approached and um do you just your heart twists in the same kind of way. So, and, you know, I've read a few other Roan Parrish's books, and she is just an expert at pulling at your heartstrings and making you so happy at the end. And I think Ruthie Knox is also one of those people. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a good comparison. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I feel validated. All right. Was there anybody else that you wanted to mention? Um... My brain is really going going for that, like, why do I have to wait so long? And the other person that I've just been, like, screaming about that since I finished their second book, because they only have two out, and there's only another one coming out, is Helen Wong. And because, as we all know, The Bride Test was just one of the most amazing books of the year, if not ever. And I can't wait for the next one to come out next year, sometime in the spring or summer. I can't actually remember. And who knows that they might even push it back. But um I was trying to think of a good read-alike author for her. And while, yes, they are both of um East Asian descent, the author that I came up with was Jackie Lau, in part because of the family relationships and the feeling of like the first generation North American and connecting with their um, immigrant family members and all of that is something that really comes through in some of Jackie Lau's books. Um, Jackie Lau is Canadian, so some of the relationships are a little different just because of the the a cultural feeling of moving to one country versus the other. Um, but also I really like throwing Jackie Lau out to people who are crying about Helen Wong because she writes really fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she is also, she self publishes uh, her books and she could just be like, all right, I've decided that I'm going to write this series. Here's when they're all coming out. And she'll tell you across the next six or seven months when those books are coming out. So she's got a holiday series that started with um, a Thanksgiving book. And since she's Canadian, it was an October Thanksgiving. And she's got a a Christmas book coming out this month. And she's going to have 
uh, a Lunar New Year book coming out and a Valentine's Day book coming out. So like, we're set with Jackie Lau books until Helen Wong's book comes out. So not all heroes wear capes, Jess. I know. Not all heroes wear capes. They don't. They just write those words. And, (laughs) And Jackie Lau is also similar to Helen Wong. She can really infuse um the sexy times with the humor and Mm -hmm. family relationships and interpersonal relationships i feel like those two phrases have come through a lot in two different very kind of situations but it's true and those are also things that draw me about about romance novels is relationships between not just the main couple but everyone else um so just being able to see that in two very different authors kind of style is really fun that is awesome all right. Well, we may have to do more of this another time because it was fun, but also because we are out of time now. So <laughs> yes, we are in a not shocking turn of events. Every episode, we're like, oh, maybe we'll run short this week. No, never. <laughs> never. Uh, but if you, if there are other folks that you are looking for readalikes for, definitely let us know. If you want them on our recommendations show, let us know before uh, November eleventh. And um, let us know, too, if there are authors that we missed who are great at writing in multiple subgenres. What else are we trying to hear from folks about? Uh, Let us know if you already have thoughts about uh, Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And I know some of you might have already been able to read it, and you're going Mm -hmm. to be reading it over the course of the next couple months. So definitely reach out, reach out to us if you're excited, if you have questions that you want to talk about, if you have any questions for us in general. Yeah. Uh, and the way to do that is to email us at when in romance at bookriot.com. You can also send um, me a message either over Twitter or Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. And you can catch me on Twitter at Jess's reading all one word, or Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. Feel free to check out our show notes. They will be epic this week, full of both book recommendations and the links and stuff that we talked about at the at the front of the show. So they all of it should be here so be ready be excited oh man yeah in the meantime uh this was this is a great friday night date thanks everybody (laughs) thanks to everybody and you are always a great friday night date trisha thank you i think we did pretty well we did (laughs) but in the meantime happy reading everybody happy reading Mm -hmm.